0: PlushCare.com weight loss. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C10.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: 3... And
2: a very good Thursday morning uh, to you as we welcome you along to the programme. We've got John Paul and Sadie taking your calls this morning. Anything you want to share with us, we would love to hear from you. 1850 You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And as it is a Thursday, that means we'll answer your pet questions uh, later on uh, with Jane Pickett, our uh, resident vet uh, joining us. So if you've got a pet question, get it in to us. Uh, please, looking for your thoughts and comments And I can already see a number coming in to do with the ad that has now been banned from Irish TV. And this is the Tampex ad that staged a mock TV chat show. I take it everybody has seen the ad at some stage with the host of the chat show uh, encouraging the audience to the punchline was get them up there girls it's now been banned by the advertising authority as offensive in total they hit 84 complaints the advertising standards authority of Ireland upheld the complaints uh, stating the ad had caused general offence but it didn't agree that it was demeaning to women Um, it didn't agree that it was unsuitable to children or that it included any sexual uh, innuendo it's a British made ad it depicted a chat show host very animately talking to her audience and asking how many of them could feel the presence of a tampon and if they could feel it it meant it perhaps that it wasn't in far enough and then that was the line you got to get them up there girls uh, Was what she said to, to the audience now some complaints to the Advertising Standards Authority of Ireland described that particular phrase and another not just the tip up to the grip they described those two statements in the ad as offensive, crude, vulgar, disgusting, unnecessary, embarrassing, distasteful, coarse, uh, grotesque, inappropriate and over descriptive. The advertising body received complaints that the ad was demeaning to women, unsuitable for children and contained uh, innuendo. As I said, none of those those complaints were uh, upheld. Other complaints said the ad was over descriptive and had been expressed uh, inappropriately with too much detail given in the ad. In the decision, the advertising Advertising Standards Authority of Ireland noted that according to the code, advertising should not cause grave or widespread offence. So it went on to say that the committee noted that the ad, although light natured, light hearted in nature, proved factual, provided factual information in a manner that was neither explicit or graphic. But the authority said it didn't consider the ad had caused grave offence, but it felt, given the number of complaints, eighty-four in total, that the issues expressed by the by the complainants that the ad had caused widespread offence and thus it breached the code. Now, I, I, that's the one thing I kind of have an issue with. And I know when I was chatting with Simon earlier on as well, I don't know how you can say eighty-four people who contact the Advertising Standards of Ireland that that could be deemed widespread offence. I'd love to know what number they put on the number of complaints they receive for it to be deemed widespread offence cuz 84 to me, maybe it's just me, it doesn't seem that many people took the time out to complain to the advertising uh, standards. Now Tampax themselves say they're very disappointed by the, uh, deci- the decision. They believe that uh, in normalising the conversation around periods and they believe they do that through awareness, through information and through education. They say the ad was designed to address what is a very common usage question and to educate how to use the product correctly. Correctly, in a straight talking way, which they felt the advert did. But because of what has happened now, the advertising standards, they will now cease to show the ad in Ireland in line with the authorities' decision. But I'm assuming that's just on Irish TV stations. I take it we will still see the ad if you watch any of the English channels of which so many are broadcast uh, here into Ireland. Anyway, your thoughts welcomed uh, on the ad. Are you happy with what the advertising? Standards Authority have done and and do you agree? Do you feel that the ad was crude and vulgar? Some of your comments in already and I have to say looking at the comments, just the ones I've glanced over before I came to air, a lot of people are agreeing with the advertising standards so it looks like there are probably way more than 84 people didn't like this ad. It just so happened that 84 people took the time to make a complaint about it. Mag says, hi Patricia, I used to cringe when I would hear that ad and see that ad on TV. I would be mortified if there was a male in the room, says Mags. It was just very trashy and very vulgar was how Mags uh, sees it. Uh, Trina says how dare women choose to have those crude, vulgar, unnecessary embarrassing, distasteful, inappropriate and over-descriptive things called periods. So I take Katrina saw no offence at all to the ad. Fiona said absolutely hate this ad. My daughters also hate it. It makes me cringe every time it comes on the TV. Sharon says it was a stupid ad. Gotta get up there girls. We can do better than that if we want to advertise tampons surely. Sheila said no problem with ads for sanitary products but this particular ad was ridiculous. Get up there girls. Not offensive just a bad ad I thought says Sheila. Gat on Twitter at C103 Cork says Good, it's gone. It was crude and it was demeaning. Too many ads illustrate women as third party objects nowadays and that is very, very disrespectful. And Ken says, I completely agree with banning this purely on the grounds that it was simply just a terrible ad. I mean, really badly done. I know standards are slipping all over the place these days, but come on, this production stinks to high heaven regardless of the uh, content. So as I say, a a lot of people were glad to see and hear that the ad is going to be removed from TV. Your thoughts are welcome to 1850 333 103 or you can text our WhatsApp O eight six two one oh three one oh three. We've been talking this week about the children going back to school And everything now that schools have to do, I imagine every single school all over the country, a hive of activity uh, today and principals, board of management, and I'm assuming teachers are getting stuck in and helping out as well, trying to get the schools uh, ready because we know the Minister for Education uh, Norma Foley and the Taoiseach Michal Martin are very confident that the schools are going to reopen at the end of August but uh, Bernardo's survey is out and this is normally the time of year that Bernardo, we'd always chat with Bernardo's because they would do their survey about the cost of going back to school and they have as part of the cost of going back to school. They also started asking parents how they feel about children going back to school and firstly more than half of parents have incurred extra costs this year due to children not been in school during uh, lockdown and the majority now are worried about schools reopening. Three quarters of parents say they've received insufficient information on schools returning and they were left in the dark about what the new school day will look like. Now in defence of the schools I suppose they were in a position that they couldn't contact parents to say look we are definitely going to reopen on the whatever date, 27th of August, 1st of September, whatever it is because they themselves were waiting on the guidelines to come through from the government before they could honestly hand on heart say yes we will be ready to open at the end of August so I suppose that would be the reason why they couldn't contact the parents but yeah and then there was lots of speculation on social media the school would they open would they not reopen would children be wearing uniforms would children be bringing school books in and I suppose for that reason a lot of parents held back on actually buying all the back to school gear again I imagine there's a bit of a rush now on to make sure that all the back to school gear is Purchase, but I'm not surprised to hear that families incurred more costs with children in lockdown because when the homeschooling was going on, we were hearing from parents who were saying that it was costing them a lot more money, they were having to get things photocopied, or the printer was constantly going in the house and they had to get ink for the printer and they had to get extra paper for the printer. So there was certainly more costs involved with at home uh, schooling. Anyway, we know now they. Schools have got the go-ahead to uh, open up at the end of August. But parents are wondering what the new normal is going to look like. What is a school day going to look like for September of 2020? A fifth of secondary school parents, 20%, said they would prefer for their children not to go back to school. Uh, That's out of fear of them contracting coronavirus. That's a lot of people, 20% of secondary school parents nervous of their children going back. Students were also surveyed as part of the research by Bernardo's. Some say they found it difficult learning from home, uh, while others have also admitted that they are anxious about going back to school. And I saw some of the replies, some of the parents, some of the students themselves are worried that they might bring back, you know, if they go to school, they they might pick up COVID-19. Well, they're not particularly worried about them getting them themselves, but they're fearful that they'll bring it home and maybe pass it on to siblings at home that might be medically vulnerable, or if they have grandparents living with them or they visit grandparents regularly, they're just fearful that they might pass it on to a much-loved uh, grandparent. Nearly all parents believe it is important, though, for their children's emotional and physical well-being that they get back to school and get back there as soon as possible. Bernarders say children and young people uh, told them as part of the survey that they miss their friends, they miss their teachers as well. Some were excited about returning to school, while others worried would they they be safe? Would they pass the virus on to a loved one? Others were worried about the impact on the learning on their exams and parents also admitted that they struggled to balance work and home uh, schooling. Again, uh, something that we would have highlighted and spoken about certainly when the homeschooling was going on. I I had a huge amount of sympathy for parents who were working from home at the same time trying to supervise and monitor what was going on around the kitchen table as children tried to do some Form of schoolwork. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Our lines are open. Are you nervous about your sons and daughters going back to school, or are the children themselves nervous, or are you in the uh, the majority of people? In fairness, the eighty percent of parents who just can't wait for those school gates to open and for their for their loved ones uh, to head back in. Let us know uh, your thoughts. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103, 103 A lot of commentary coming in on the Tampeks at ad uh, which now uh, the Advertising Standards Authority of Ireland upheld the complaints uh, stating the ad had caused general offence and therefore it has been taken it'll be taken off uh, Irish uh, TV. Some of your thoughts coming in on this. My complaint about ads says a listener is that the some ads can be repeated ad nauseam and <laughs> this listener takes offence to that. Come on Ireland uh, says somebody else. Get out of the dark ages. It's part of life. A Tampax so what tell people get over themselves that somebody else uh, periods are a part of nature Maisie in Kilty says if they are ceasing the ad why don't they stop a programme like Mrs Brown's Boys that's a programme that is very vulgar says Maisie in Clan. Joan says Hi Patricia when I heard that ad first when I saw it day one I felt it was degrading to women Hi, this is a regular listener. I am absolutely delighted that that ad is gone, Trish. It was the worst I have ever seen. It was made in very poor taste. Uh, Thank you for your programmes as a regular listener. Thank you for that. And Margaret says I cringe every time the ad appeared on TV. So by the way did my daughters and granddaughters. So it was very much a generation. It wasn't just a generation thing across the generations. Everyone in Margaret's house, uh, nobody liked the ad. Very pleased that it has been removed. I'm glad that there is a WhatsApp. I'm glad that there's more talk about periods. They're normal and they're natural. But the ad was crude. And it sent the Message to women, especially young girls and boys, about acceptable, respectable talk about their bodies. The language, get them up there, girls, was neither acceptable are respectful says a uh, listener thank you for that Breathe In Mill Street Morning Patricia pulling the Tampax ad surely makes us look ignorant and stupid the dark haired girl is so beautiful in the ad it's a a shame I used Tampax back in the early 60s I think it might have been as early as 1962 I used to have to hide them from my mother but I remember at the time they were such a wonderful invention God such a different era wasn't it Uh, breather. Thank you for that 1850-333-103 and just on masks Pat, Infomoy was on to say myself and my wife were going into a petrol station between eighty and, a petrol station between eighty and ninety percent of the people going in and out of the petrol station shop were not wearing masks, and by the way, they didn't sanitize their hands either, even though there was hand sanitizer at the door. Spoke with the manager, and the manager unfortunately said there's absolutely nothing that they could do. And today, thank you for that, Pat. Uh, we have been on, and we've been on twice. I think, in the last week or so to the Department of the Taoiseach to find out when are the masks going to be mandatory? When do we get to a situation where people will be fined if they don't wear masks? Because that's what they did for the wearing of masks on public transport. Initially, they'd ask people on buses and trains and any form of public transport to wear a mask. That didn't really work. So then they'd put legislation in place. They made it mandatory whereby you could be fined, you could be refused to board a bus or a train if you didn't have a mask on. That has worked. 100% 100% of people now on trains and buses are all wearing masks. We know that they're planning to bring in legislation to, to to make it the same for the wearing of masks in any shops. We're still not hearing anything back from the Department of the Taoiseach as to have they a time frame. Bearing in mind that the Doll goes into recess today. They're on their summer holidays today and they won't be back for six weeks. So I don't know. We're trying to get clarification on this. If it doesn't get passed today does that mean that it won't be mandatory until the government come back to pass the legislation into September, which would be disappointing if we have to wait that long. So again, we're on to them again to see if we can get further clarification, particularly before they go off on their holidays today. 1850 333 103. Sadie and John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp oh eight six two. 103, 103. Cork today on
0: C 103. Call Patricia with your comment.:
2: 1850, 103. Now the government has done a u-turn on its clampdown on pandemic payment recipients and said, they now can, in fact, holiday without claims being docked. The announcement by Social Protection Minister Heather Humphreys came after the coalition faced huge criticism in recent days for allegedly targeting welfare and pandemic unemployment payment recipients. Recipients. Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock says there are still outstanding questions and uh, he joins me. Good morning to you, Sean.
1: Good morning, Patricia. Now,
2: just to clarify, welfare recipients can now travel abroad but only to green list countries unless their travel is necessary to the red list countries, is it? Th-
1: that's my understanding. Uh, and if I say to you that I'm still slightly confused myself, uh, that mightn't come as any surprise to you because we've had. What I would call a partial U-turn on this, but it doesn't appear uh, a partial U-turn in the sense that, you know, she says that she is no longer clamping down uh, as minister and that she is still fulfilling, you know, the usual two weeks that people are entitled to if they're on a, a social welfare or job seekers payment that you would notify the department. She's saying, well, that will now proceed for the the. The PUP payment, but only if you go to the green list countries. Now, if you were being a bit cynical about it, you'd be saying, well, you can now go to Monaco, but you can't go to France, but you can't get to Monaco without going through France, and you can go to Greenland, and you can go to Cyprus, and you can go to Italy. Uh, and I think this is adding to the confusion of people, because if you take the fact that, for instance, the vast bulk of people would go to places like the United Kingdom, and in the last while, where, you know, where we have, you know, family there or, you know, you know, strong ties to the United Kingdom, for instance, and even though it's not on the green list, there will be many people who would be traveling for, uh, you know, essential reasons where there's a family bereavement, which is very common, uh, who will, be, will, will need to travel. Now, she has clarified that if in the case of a family bereavement, you know, people can travel. That's but essential. Up until but indeed, but up until the other day, that wasn't the case. Now, you could also take the view that, you know, nobody should be travelling, and we should be all following the public health advice. And and you know, there's a moral question then about travelling. But if people have genuine reasons for travel, then I don't think anybody, you know, would would deny anybody the right to to travel for a funeral or for you know where somebody is ill or you know for for humane reasons. Let's put it that way. So. Right now, uh, I think up until the point that there was legislation which was brought in during the week, the scheme was administered in the same way as you would administer what they call a supplementary welfare allowance scheme, Uh, you know, where you, you allow for discretion in terms of the payment that you would make to somebody. There was no legislative base, if you will, for the scheme, and... This is why it became very confusing for people, because you had instances where people were being stopped at ferry ports, they were being stopped at airports, and they had payments cut off, even though they might have been travelling uh, legitimately. And what we were questioning was the legality of using people's private data to affect in, in, uh, a cut on a payment that they might be receiving. So we had okay. one instance...
2: I, I, and I'll get to that in a minute but just one other thing I'm, I'm trying to get my head around if someone did decide to travel to the one of the red say Spain or as you use the example the United Kingdom but Spain is one that's coming up because we've got people who are saying we've got a holiday booked the flight is still going we're not, we're going to lose our money and rather than lose the money we're going to go on holidays we're going to take the risk and go on holidays and, and just take the risk of going to a country on the red list If the, if those people are on a pandemic payment we take it they will lose their payment when they're away do they also lose the payment when they come back because they'll have to self-isolate for two weeks and we're told they've got to be available for work and you can't be available for work if you self-isolate isn't that the case
0: now stay with me on this
2: isn't isn't that isn't that what she's saying that That if if yeah so therefore if someone is on the pandemic payment who hasn't travelled abroad but has been told to self-isolate for whatever reason do they lose their payment as well if, Do you know the point I'm they, trying to make? If if if,
1: if, if they don't travel, yeah. that that wouldn't arise. The payment is retained, if I understand your yeah, yeah, point Yeah, but if, if
2: if she's saying that, the, if the government are saying we're not going to pay you for those two weeks because you're self-isolating and when you're self-isolating, you're not available for work, does that not go across the board for everyone then that has to self-isolate that's on a pandemic payment because they're technically not available for work? It, it should follow and this
1: is where the confusion lies. Yes is the answer to that. And the confusion lies in the fact that they haven't clearly articulated uh, what the terms and conditions are of the pandemic unemployment payment. Mm. Uh, The legislation that she brought in during the week, and this is why we were asking for for guidance on this during the week, was that what are the scenarios? They didn't plan out the scenarios for people uh, who... uh, might travel and who have to self isolate, and what they, what their status, which is the point you're making, what yeah. their status is in respect of their return back to Ireland, if you will, and that remains unclear. What what also remains unclear is is what was the advice, for instance, from the Attorney General when she was when the minister was setting up uh, the legislation. The, the other point. In all Did of this, she
2: get I, advice from the Attorney General? W-
1: well, it it is our view that when she was administering the scheme before the legislation was put in place, it is our view that arguably she did not get the advice of the Attorney-General, but she says on the tall record, when she was designing and drafting the legislation for the, uh, to put this on a statutory footing, because it wasn't on a statutory footing, in other words, it wasn't a, there wasn't a legal basis to it, that she did uh, uh, seek the advice of the Attorney-General. She's now saying that common sense she will apply common sense rules but there's no legislation you can't legislate for for common sense (laughs) sense. and and
2: another another issue that uh, that I think is going to that I can't get my head around that people who were on the pandemic payment must be genuinely seeking work but what about those people who are waiting for their job to be reinstated the obvious one are bar workers are we saying that they should be off out looking for work and then what happens when their bar job hopefully comes back on the 10th of August
1: Well, I raise the issue of uh, people like bar workers, people like, you know, people who work in the entertainment and cultural sector, you know, people who during the summer period are uh, employed on, you know, music festivals, on, you know, outdoor productions, plays and so on, theatrical productions. They all now have lost their jobs because there is no activity in any of these sectors. And they've had a cut to their payment, which we feel is completely unfair because they have no way of finding work now because the sector has closed down. And I'm dealing with, uh, you know, say publicans and and staff in in the hospitality sector at the moment who have just no way of finding alternative unemployment uh, who have now reverted back to the, you know, the job seekers payment, if you will. And, And I think there needs to be a little bit of discretion and a little bit of leeway found for those people because if you have a bar person who, you know, has to travel now to an area like Spain to find work. You have to allow that person some degree of a cushion until they find alternative, uh, on employment, if you will. And, you know, there is in all of this as well. I reckon there will be a test case in all of this because I think the right to travel is, is a, what they call a European Union right. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a sacrosanct right. And I, there is no law around, you know, not being able to travel. It's all public health guidance as opposed to, uh, you know, actual legislation or, or, or being regulated. So I, I think she has created the minister, the government has created, I don't want to personalize this, but the, the government has created too many questions now in relation to, uh, you know, people who find themselves where they might have to travel and they're in fear of having their payments cut. And and sometimes, you know, the law of averages is that people will always have to travel because we're an island nation and they'll have to travel for legitimate reasons. And, you know, you can't have a situation where, for instance, people are being approached by Gardaí at the airport and and being asked questions without having some sort of a coherent uh and legitimate reason for asking somebody
2: But yet on, on the, plus, the plus side of people being stopped at the airport, the Department of Social Protection the figures they released uh, say that of 2,500 PUP cases where the payment was stopped for people travelling um, uh, abroad, the bulk of those were leaving the country for good. There was only 85 of 2,500 were going for a holiday period. There were people who were going to leave the country and keep claiming the allowance
1: yeah and, and nobody would argue against that and there was always a system well there has been for the last number of years a system where you know the garda act with uh you know the department of social protection in respect of you know questioning people because you have to weed out fraud and nobody would argue against that and i think they've made a saving of 20 million euros as a result of that and nobody is arguing against somebody uh you know who leaves the country permanently there's no ambiguity about the fact that they should have their uh, payments absolutely cut if they're leaving the country permanently or if they're going back to their home country say a Lithuania, a Latvia, a Poland or you know wherever that might be nobody will argue against that it's it's the it's the arbitrary way in which people's payments were stopped because they were questioned in some instances for instance you had a case where somebody arrived a family traveled from a ferry port and a member of a family who didn't travel with the family had their payment cut even though she didn't travel at all it's it's a, the scheme, what we want is for the scheme whatever way the scheme is operated to be tightened up so that anybody who's traveling knows the conditions in which they're traveling and knows you know that if 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 their payment is to be stopped, it's on the basis that you know it's for a legitimate reason. Okay. But you can't have a okay. situation where people's payments are cut for illegitimate reasons.
2: Okay. And before we let you go, um, uh, Sean, good news on this. Um, and and I saw you quote it in the Echo today on this. Uh, there's talks of a mallow to Dunkarven Greenway. Yes. The.
1: It's really good news because there's 80,000 euros allocated now for a feasibility study to, to look at the potential of the Greenway. And, you know, the Greenway experience, I think, for many people throughout the country has been a very positive experience because it, it opens up areas like, the you know, the beautiful Blackwater Valley, uh, which has massive potential uh, to bringing in a, a good tourism product and maybe utilising, uh, you know, Portions of the old maybe railway line or, or even off that, some of the old tracks, we'll save the Blackwater Valley. And, and what it is, is a, a feasibility study just to see whether or not there is potential to, to actually make this happen. So it's, it's very early days. It's the first step. Uh, you know, there'd be a long way to go before you would actually find the proper capital funding to fund this. You'd have to, you know, talk to landowners. You'd have to, you know, assure ensure that you actually would have access to the lands and so on and so forth. So there would be many negotiations down the line. But I think it's a first step of a long process of recognising the potential, the tourist potential, potential of linking up to the you know the, the Waterford Greenway we'd say at Dungarvan and, and, and which has
2: been hugely successful it for that fantastic. area yeah.
1: it's, uh, I'm hearing wonderful reports about it and if we can get you know hitch our trail uh, or hitch our wagons to that trail if you will <laughs> in North Cork I think that would be a, you know, a great only too
2: happy. Uh, Sean listen thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, Labour Dole Deputy for Cork East, Sean Charlotte.
0: Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103.
2: 103. Well, West Cork Councillor Sean O'Donovan this week shared a shocking photograph on Facebook of a cow whose mouth is bleeding. And it's down to the utter stupidity of people dumping cans out their car windows or while out for a walk in the countryside. Councillor Sean O'Donovan uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Um, Can you just explain to listeners how these drink cans can end up injuring an animal?
3: Okay, I suppose, well, people throw cans out their window when they're driving or whatever, as you say, if they're out for a walk. Um, And then if they're in over the fence on the road or in in over the ditch, they end up being part of the silage or part of the hay um, that is made into animal feed. And then obviously it's it's included in the bale of silage or whatever, fed to the cattle. And then the cows, like they swallow, they don't choose they swallow straight away, so it ends up going into their stomach sometimes um and it can lead to huge problems, huge vet bills for the farmers and um it can ultimately lead to the death of the animals who, depending on if it penetrates the heart or any of the organs or whatever you know
2: and the can ends up getting shredded when the hay has been made, Yes. and it can be you say as sharp as razor blades,
3: absolutely, yeah. It can do a lot of damage to um, to the animals. There was a study done there in America in the University of um, Montana and between 55 and 75% of the animals that were slaughtered all had some sort of hardware they're describing it as but like cans or nails or wire or something in their stomachs when they were slaughtered, you know.
2: And of course the farmer has no way of knowing if a can has been shredded and has ended up in the bale of hay.
3: No, he doesn't because the grass is long. Obviously, the can is inside in the grass and it's, it goes through the machine, it's bailed into a, a silage bale or whatever and then the poor cow ends up eating it, you know.
2: And the, the photograph, I mean, I even had difficulty looking at the photograph. I mean, you mm-hmm. can actually see the fresh blood around the cow's nose and mouth.
3: Yeah, you can, you can. It's, Correctful. It's causing It's causing a lot of problems and it, I suppose I posted it just to make people aware, I suppose, you know, and it's, it's got a huge response on social media. Um, just be extra vigilant. You shouldn't be trying cans over the ditch anyway, basically. But just be extra vigilant and think what consequences that that can that you're drinking from could cause,
2: you know. I mean, you used something like 400 odd uh, Facebook shares when I saw it yesterday. Uh, it might be a bit of a wake up call to people.
3: I think so, yeah. I I'm quite quite surprised. And I suppose, you know, as I said, you're not supposed to throw your cans out of the car window anyway. But I think... I know now that amateur can do, but I suppose I was quite surprised as well, you know, when I yeah. kinda of done a bit of research into it, you know.
2: Yeah. And with and, and littering from cars, getting worse or better, Sean? Um
3: I think during the lockdown people have kind of been out walking more and it's more evident of what it was, you know. Um I think we can notice maybe winter time a little bit more when the grass dies back and the the vegetation on the sides of the road dies back. But fly tipping is is a big concern still, you know. Um, There's lots of black spots around the place. People just aren't using a bin company or aren't going to the amenity site or whatever, you know.
2: And costing the council a fortune in cleaning it up?
3: Costing the council, but outside of the cost, it's like it's destruction for our company because it draws rodents. And, yeah. you know, it interferes with as wildlife and stuff as well. So there's a knock on effect there as well, you know.
2: Yeah, how do we get the message through to people I mean we've been talking about this since God was a child, it's just it's one of those uh, issues because I know on the, it's interesting when you mentioned the grass verges because we've had a couple of listeners contact us uh, from various areas across the county and the verges have been cut and the, when the verge is cut, the amount of rubbish that then is on display for everybody to see.
3: It's very evident when, the, when they're caught, yeah, it is but okay. I suppose it's look we can only do our part we have to appeal to people to respect the country we're living in and the countryside and the people who live in the countryside as well you know so it's up to everyone to be responsible adults
2: Okay, and actually I saw on your when I was on your Facebook page yesterday I saw you also posting on the school uniforms which became an issue on this programme uh, this week uh, with people saying what is the advice with children going back to school and the advice is that children should wear their uniforms as normal
3: That's the advice at present yes they're saying it's no health issue whatsoever
2: Yeah, because I think some people were afraid to go out and buy uniforms and 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 all of that. Okay, all right. Listen, Sean, thank you for that, and thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks, a million. Thank bye bye. That bye-bye. is uh, Councillor uh, Sean O'Donovan. As I say, if you're on his uh, Facebook page, it's a difficult photograph to look at. It's only a photograph of a, of a cow, but it's just the poor cow, and you can see the fresh blood and the damage that was done to that poor cow just because of the utter stupidity of people not bringing their rubbish home with them and dumping of the cans. I couldn't. I. It was only when I started looking into it because uh, I, cause I could, could never have thought that a can would shred like that when they're the. Making of the hay, but you realise if you've ever cut yourself on, you know, if you squeeze a can in and, and a can together to throw it into the bin, and if it ever it breaks and you cut, it can be really really sharp. And as Sean said, it can end up as sharp as razor blades, and then ends up in the hay. And of course, the cow farmers no idea of knowing what's in the middle of a bale of hay, and the poor old cow doesn't know either, and ends up either ingesting it and then causes all kinds of problems in the te- in the intestine. Are in the picture that Sean. It up on his Facebook page, it actually just ripped the mouth of the cow and the area around his nose. Absolutely shocking. Bring your rubbish home with you guys, please. 1850 333103 Anne says, I was in the recycling center in Kanturk yesterday. Anne reckons that the time that she went, she was the only one wearing a mask. And she said, By the way, the place was uh, busy. She felt some of the other customers were looking at her as if she had 10 heads on for wearing a mask. Keep wearing the mask uh, and I don't know what the rules and regulations are on mask wearing when you're at a civic immunity site it is outside so maybe it doesn't come in under the when, when we're told to wear it in a retail outlet I haven't seen anybody I haven't seen any information saying that you should wear them when you're going to a civic community site but I think for everyone we just need to get into the habit of everybody wearing a mask all of the time and the more people that wear it it becomes more normal I mean I was in a, I was in Dano's Super Value uh, yesterday and actually as you walk in the door there's a great big sign up saying uh, wear your mask and there wasn't one person inside in the store yesterday that didn't have a mask on so it's become very normal inside in supermarkets we just need to normalise it everywhere else uh, thank you for your text and in talking of recycling Centres. Bandon Recycling Centre have been on to say they're closed to the public today and they're apologising for any inconvenience caused. So that's Bandon Recycling Centre closed today.
0: This is Cork Today Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's hits,
2: C103 Calls coming in. Veronica in Formoy. This is with regard to the pop Payment, the PUP, the Pandemic Unemployment Payment. Uh, Veronica says our HSC is going to be in crisis during the winter months because if you have COVID nineteen and then you allow for uh, flu season, the country is going to need every single penny it can get its hands hands on. Veronica feels the government is right to be clamping down on PUP payments and they may be issuing to people who are no longer living in Ireland. Well that's the defence that came out from the government that the 2,500 people who have been stopped at the airport, 85 of them were going on holidays and there is to be a review of their cases and it looks like some of them may actually get their, their money back to people who just genuinely went off on holidays and didn't realise that they were meant to be going on holidays when they were on a, a Covid uh, payment but 85 out of 2,500, so that's like two th- over 2,400 people were stopped at the airport and they discovered that these people were signing on for the COVID payment. were going to continue to get the COVID payment even though they were going to be gone out of the country and the money just paid into their bank uh, account. So money, what, Sean charlie could have figured something like 20 million euro has been saved. So Veronica is right that it is certainly going to save the exchequer money and it's money that we're going to need uh, for the uh, HSE. It's just unfortunate. That genuine people who went away on holidays, even though the argument would be, well, why are they going away on holidays in the middle of a pandemic? But people who didn't realise that they were breaching the rules of their COVID uh, payment got cut up in the middle of it. But yes, I think everybody would accept that's fraud, and it is right for the department to clamp down on fraud. Thank you for your text, Veronica. On the on the rubbish and people dumping cans out, and that issue of the cows eating. Cans that got shredded when the hay was being made it end up like razor blades and causing all kinds of injuries for the poor animals. Meg said if the gra- if the grass verges were cut more often, and the rubbish was uh, collected, we wouldn't have a big an issue with litter on the side of our roads that people are uh, talking about. The government going on holidays. Meg says money for nothing. but Mark Loeffler comes to mind, in how many jobs can you get six weeks holidays within weeks of starting employment? Not happy that the government is going on holidays. You're not the only one. Tim in Mallow says, I'm surprised that the government are going on holidays in the middle of a pandemic. Tim is also wondering, will the pubs get their guidelines today? What about all of the other issues that are going on? I thought something would be kept in place, given everything that was going on, that they would have cancelled their holidays completely. Now they will say that even though the doll is not sitting They will say they're not completely on holidays. They're still doing all of the other work that needs to be done. But legislation certainly won't be passed. I don't know. You raise an interesting point about the pubs and what guidelines will be issued. We should be now Two weeks away, less than two weeks away. Next Monday week is going to be the 10th of August, which is the date when pubs hope to reopen, but we don't know if they're going to reopen or not. But again, and, and I know I was talking with in the office with John Paul before we came on air and we were talking about getting on to the Vintners Federation just to see where are they at at the moment. They again, it, it was like the week that we thought they were going to open. Remember, we thought the pubs were going to open on the 20th of July and in the week leading up to it, we had publicans saying, Look, we haven't got any guidelines yet how are we expect it to open up next Monday. And then, of course, lo and behold, on the Wednesday before, they were told they weren't going to reopen. Uh, and I suppose some publicans may be getting a bit suspicious if they're not getting guidelines as to what it's going to be like when they reopen. Is there a suspicion that the pubs may not reopen? And by the way, a further 22 pubs were caught blatantly flouting the COVID-19 rules last week and they were serving alcohol to customers without food. That brings the total number of pubs caught breaking the rules to 80 since restaurants were allowed to reopen and gastro pubs were allowed to reopen but you have to serve food with the alcohol. Publicans now are urging authorities to let customers drink at the bar. This is when the so-called wet pubs, if they do Get the go ahead to open up next Monday week, the Vintners Federation of Ireland say many business, particularly those in rural Ireland, will not be viable eh, if they are not they 're not allowed to let punchers sit up at the counters. Pub owners are currently hoping that they 'll get the green light to reopen on the tenth of August after the previous reopening date was uh, delayed. However, with further clusters cropping up, there are fears that reopening could be delayed further. The health chiefs have always insisted that they, one of their most important goals is the reopening of schools and they don't want anything to jeopardise the reopening of schools. The acting chief medical officer, Dr. Ronan Glim, said yesterday that of the, the 14 cases that were announced yesterday, thank God it was down the 40 from the day before, but anyway, it was 14 announced yesterday of COVID-19. 11 of the 14 were close contacts of confirmed cases and half of those had no symptoms at all. Uh, so it's just showing that you can be going around, have COVID-19 and not have symptoms. And I was delighted to see that more than 100 people have been warned that they've come into close contact with the confirmed COVID-19 case. And that's through the HSE's contact tracing app. Almost 1.45 million of us have downloaded the COVID-19 tracker app since it went live in recent recent week recent weeks public health chiefs say the app plays a vital part in Ireland's fight against coronavirus and since it went live a couple of weeks ago over 100 people have been contacted out of the blue to say you've been in contact with somebody who's tested positive for COVID-19. That person then is asked to go forward uh, for a, a test and many of those that will have, um, they, some of those could have been in that group uh, yesterday, particularly the group who uh, ended up with no symptoms at all because people are just getting calls out of the blue. That's if you've downloaded the Tracker app. It is important to download that app folks. Okay, other comments coming in to us. Oh, this is on the point that I was trying to tease out with um, Sean Sherlock about people who have gone on the COVID nineteen payment, which was brought in in March when the country went into lockdown, and they got this. In you know, in fairness to the government, it was it and to the Department of Social Protection, they got this payment in as quickly as possible, and it was like a one page form had to be filled in, sent off. Payments were received very quickly. We had very few phone calls of complaints. From people who were having difficulty getting their COVID nineteen payment. In the main it worked really, really well. Um, And because businesses closed literally overnight, it was to make sure that people had money in their banks the following week. So, you know, so well done and kudos to everybody there. And of course the whole idea was we had thought at the time, wouldn't be for very long, and then the country would reopen and everyone would would get back to work. And we know the country is slowly reopening, but we still have you know a big, big number of people who were still on the pandemic payment unemployment payment, the pub payment and are waiting for whatever industry they're working in to reopen so they can go back to work. So I was taken aback when I heard when all this debacle and controversy happened over people leaving the country and that you needed to be available for work. And then it came out that the, if you are getting the €350 Euro pandemic payment that you must be available and actively seeking work. And that kind of got to me thinking, well, if you're actively seeking work, what if you're waiting for your job? Because there are people, I mean, people, you know, we're talking about the pubs uh, in the, the licensed trade, who, you know who who literally are waiting. They, they their employer has told them yes. Soon as we're allowed to open, you're back in and you have your job. So they're sitting at home on their three hundred and fifty euro. They're not actively seeking work because they know their job is going to happen. Hopefully for them sooner rather than uh, later. So I was kind of taken aback to see that they should be actively seeking work because I didn't, didn't think that that was part of the initial legislation that was put in place for the pandemic payment. Catherine Formoy uh, is also teasing out this scenario further and she raises the scenario, they'll say somebody who has worked in a bar for the last 10, 15, 20 years and they've built up a lot of service working in a particular bar. Now suddenly they're told that they've got to be actively seeking work. Lo and behold... Another bar job becomes available, say in a local hotel, and they decide to take that because they're doing the right thing. They're actively seeking work and they found work. Then their original place of work, the bar that they've worked in for 10, 20 years, decides it's not going to reopen. Catherine has pointed out that person would not be entitled to redundancy because they would would have taken up new employment, even though they might be only working with the new company for two to three weeks. So a person could... In that, in Catherine's scenario, lose out on thousands of euro uh, because the government are saying to people you must be actively seeking uh, work, and that's another scenario and another one, no doubt, that people are worried about. Thank you for that, Catherine. Eighteen fifty-three-three-three-one-zero-three. Now we're still getting in a lot of commentary on the wearing of masks, and people are still pointing out that they're out in various places, and there's, there's still people are still not wearing masks, and others are saying, you know, we've got to be wearing masks, and we know the science is there. As to why we're all wearing masks when is it going to become mandatory and we got onto the Department of the Tea Shop because we'd initially got on to them and they said yes the legislation must be put in place that would make it mandatory and people would be fined and that the legislation they were writing it up at the time and as soon as it was you know it was in place they'd let us know so then we got back onto them saying mm, hi we're still here we're still waiting for the answer when, when is the legislation going to be put in place and we've contacted them a couple of times I think in the last uh, week or so anyway Don Paul tells me we've finally got an answer back in the last hour from the Department of the Taoiseach, to say that this is no longer anything to do with us. You need to get on to the Department of Health and they've cc'd the Department of Health in the reply. So I've asked John Paul to bang out our original email to the Department of Health. It's the Department of Health they're doing it. But we're trying to get through to them today because we're conscious and aware that the government goes on holidays today and I'm fearful that no legislation will be passed Okay, is that what um, this is? John Paul saying? Okay, we contacted the, the office of the T shirt again this morning to ask. I think compulsory would be, and yeah, I've said that. Okay, regulations on wearing face coverings in retail environments are being prepared by the Department of Health in consultation with the Department of Business, Enterprise and Innovation. The regulations will be finalised as, as soon as possible. And is that back from the Department of Health? From the Department of Health, are saying? that it will be the regulations will be finalised as soon as possible and they don't have a date yet oh for God's sake and until they have a date and until they make it mandatory we are going to end up in the situation where you have people walking around some people seeing it as their civic duty to wear a mask and other people deciding well I'm not going to get fined so I'm going to wait until I get fined because that's exactly what happened with the people wearing masks on the trains and on the buses they waited until they knew they were going to be fined or they were told they couldn't get on the bus or the train and now everybody is wearing a mask because Ellen contacted us to say she was out and about for her first time yesterday in March said she's an elderly lady And she went into her credit union and she said as she walked in she met a man walking out not wearing a mask. Now she obviously had her mask on. She went up to the counter and she saw that the man standing beside her wasn't wearing a mask. So she started chatting to the nice friendly girl behind the counter at the credit union and uh, saying I think it's a bit unfair if I'm wearing a mask and everybody else isn't wearing a mask. Now the man beside her obviously heard the conversation that Ellen was having uh, with the lovely friendly girl inside in the credit union. So he took his mask out of his pocket and he hopped it on straight away. She reckoned she must, he must, she must have pricked his conscience. So he put it on. Then when she was walking out of the credit union, the, the man, the, another man was walking in with no mask on and Ellen very bravely stopped him and said, excuse me now, why aren't you wearing a mask? And he said, oh, I left it in my other, in my other car. And she said, you know, these kind of excuses are simply not good enough. She also feels it is setting a very bad example to children. But Ellen said she like a lot of other people over the age of 70 did their bit and they cocooned they stayed indoors and they didn't move outside of the house for three and a half uh, months and she said now we're out and about and she said it's so maddening to see these people walking around and none of them are wearing masks and you don't have to wear a mask when you're outside you can if you want to but it's when you're in any kind of an enclosed uh, space so please folks it looks like we're going to have to wait for the fining side of it to come in but while we are waiting for it, please just put on your mask. The scientific evidence is there. If you have two people together and both are wearing masks, there is a 99% chance of either of you picking up COVID-19. Please just wear your mask.
0: See 103 Jobs.
2: Aragland Nursing Home in Bohabway, they're recruiting a part-time maintenance person. They're also looking for full-time health care assistance. General operatives are wanted for GP Wood, that's in Enniskine. Positions available on their daytime, evening and weekend shifts. School bus driver required, that's in the Bandit-Kinsale area. D, Class D licence is essential. And full and part-time positions are available for general construction workers. That's in Duhallow. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to C103.ie forward jobs for more. This is C103.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103
2: And when I mentioned the number of pubs that have been there was a further 22 pubs were caught for blatantly flaunting the COVID-19 rules and that is serving drink uh, to customers without food it brings now in total 80 have been uh, caught since the restaurants and gastropubs were allowed to reopen Mary said all those pubs caught selling drink without food should be shut down for once and for all and to be taught a lesson they should have their licence uh, removed Uh, Well I know the files are being prepared for the DPP in each of the cases and the penalty for a breach is a fine of up to €2,500 and are uh, six months in prison and pubs in breach also face not having their liquor licence renewed under a Garda recommendation so it is possible that some of those pubs can't out in the law uh, could actually lose their licence. Thank you for your call Mary to 1850 333 103 Now a number of regional towns in Cork will be included in the so-called Smoky Coal Ban from the 1st of September next, with a full ban nationwide expected in the lifetime of this current government. To outline what a smoky coal ban means to the towns of Mallow. Middleton and Cove. I'm joined by former Mayor of uh, Cork County Councillor Ian Doyle who also happens to be a fuel merchant. Good morning to you Ian. Morning, so you, you? I, I'm very well you're a man Good. in the know. Now how would the towns select it the ones that are to be included in the low smoke zone on the 1st of September the ones I mentioned Mallow, Middleton and Cove?
4: Based on population Patricia over 10,000 was, was the, the criteria.
2: And the yeah, advantages is, is that all local residents, for all, our, it, it's a better air quality, isn't
4: it? it it's, a, it's about better air quality, Patricia, yeah, and it is for the towns of Mallow, Cove, Middleton, and extending the city, the, the city out into the Caritool, out into the county areas of Tool, Yeah, and it is for, I suppose. Ha, inhabitants of over 10,000 people. And I suppose, look, it, it, it is what it is and it is for better air quality and um, I suppose, you know, we all need to, to be conscious of that. And it just just this morning I was reading the statistics, the statistics that were being sent down in, in line of this. And, you know, since the, the Smoky Coal ban has come into Dublin, they attributed over 506 deaths saved every year because of the respiratory problem with the Smoky Coal. So I'm afraid I'm, I'm speaking against myself now. But, uh, yeah. you know, it, it is the way forward, I suppose. There's no question about that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. and it's been yeah. in place for something like 30 years in Dublin. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I remember there was a lot yeah. of arguments at the start yeah. when it came in and uh, people thought, you know, the world was going to end if they couldn't burn uh, smoky coal. And they got used to it and they got used to it very quickly.
4: That is, that is there's no question about it. Now, the only, uh, you know, modern times, I mean, there, there is no new house now that's dependent on coal for a source of heat. But the only difficulty, I suppose, from the country area that I would have or that people would have is that it, unfortunately, is the older houses that are dependent on fuel for heat. And, you know, without a doubt, the smoky, bituminous Polish coal that we all know as the black black coal, that is the one that gives out the most heat. Now, most of those houses have not not, and are not retrofitted. So, you know... there's no question about it, that they will suffer in terms of heat um, from a cost point of view and also stuff from an energy point of view using probably twice as much to, to get as much heat. You know that. Is, it, is, it as, is
2: it as much as
4: that, twice as much? Well, it's just that, you know, in the open fire, the, the smokeless code, which is a, a manufactured product Is not as effective for heat. And, you know, I've witnessed the business. I mean, the the business has drifted totally. But the the people that do depend on heat from coal for for heat purposes, their houses are not retrofit. They've opened fires. And, unfortunately, it is is inefficient. But, certainly, you know, the Polish coal does give out in, in the current times the most heat. And there's no question
2: about that. Yeah, because uh, the other day a woman was saying, you know, she relies on the open fire and it heats the back boiler, which then goes on to heat the radiators. Yeah, and yeah. she reckoned that the the smokeless coal is not going to heat the back boiler sufficiently to heat your radiators. No,
4: no the smokeless, smokeless coal is designed for an enclosed space. So in, in, in stoves, it works perfectly because you have a complete enclosed space. But just in the open fire, I mean, it, it, it doesn't take off, number one. And, you know, the it, 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 heat isn't captured, but goes up the chimney. You know, so the, that's the trouble, really, yeah. yeah
2: so it is it, it is going to it, cause problems for some people. It is going to cause problems, yeah, no question
4: about it. From a heat point of view, there's no question about that, you know. Yeah, yeah, but from a, I suppose from a health point of view, it, it's naturally going to happen. And from an environmental point of view, I suppose it is going to naturally happen as well, you know. But, that uh, you know, that, that emphasises again the programme for government that grants need to be provided to retrofit all these houses and to make sure that they are capable of of, of, of going with the change, you know, and that, that's fierce and important, and particularly in country areas. I mean, you know, when I, I, when I started off this business over 30 years ago, people really depended on heat, coal for heat, you know. Uh, unfortunately, now that cohort of people have all died off, unfortunately, and the houses but there are people still and particularly in our council houses and in a lot of estates that need heat by coal for for, for supply heat and uh, unless we rectify these houses and put in stoves or put in an alternative way of, of heating then um, you know it is going to cause problems
2: and when you're talking about the older houses, are yeah. they predominantly older people living in those houses?
4: Yeah. yeah, God, when I remember first, I mean, the run, I mean, people were buying three and four bags a week, but they needed, okay. it. you know, I mean, it was a, a source of heat that was needed to, to to heat the houses. Now, all those houses, I suppose, have gone modern and it has grown to air heat now. But uh, you know that was the way it was. But there are still in the country areas. I mean, the majority, the majority of our customers in Polish coal still rely on coal as their main source of heat.
2: Okay, but people in those yeah. country areas are okay for now because well, okay because, for now, yeah. because it is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, is yeah, yeah. it is it yeah. is the urban towns of Mallow Middleton uh, and Cove
4: and And
2: for the people in Mallow Middleton and Cove and um, as you said Caractugal as well has been extended extended out from the city are they able to use timber and briquettes
4: they are they are at the moment, yeah. Now, it is because it is, uh, the, the emphasis on smoky coal at the moment is the bituminous, the sulphur side of it, and that, that's only bit, that is only on the, the Polish bituminous coal and the bituminous doubles and the singles. The, the, basically, the heat that we're used to, which was Polish coal, doubles, singles, anything. But-
0: Okay, so it's just the coal, but
2: people. And oh, then stop. the other question that came in was, uh, some of our listeners have, uh, because people store up their coal. I know. I and mean, was one know. lady yeah. contacted us. She has a bunker yeah. full of coal because she's been, you know, stocking yeah. it up. It'd be okay to get rid of, to burn that away, will it? Until
4: I'm not saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like the, illegally. Like I, I suppose the concentration is the sale at the moment. Uh, legally, from the first of September, it's illegal to sell Polish coal. And we have huge guidelines for as the as people that are selling coal, that you can't you you can't go into these areas with Polish coal; you can't be seen. Or there, there's an on-the-spot fine, and there's there's it's the local authority that's implementing it. And you know there's a whole range of measures. Uh, eventually, I mean, the air pollution measuring air pollution will come in, and there will be on-the-spot checks as, as as to know whether you're burning Polish coal or smokeless coal. The lady that's full of uh, her bunker full. Her bunker. I mean, legally, the first of September she she's not. She's not able to. to
2: the law says you know. You yeah. know. And so you. Yeah. So and the then. Interest, and the she. Interest and interest. anybody in Mallow, um, Middleton, or Cove, won't be able to buy it because it will not be no, on sale.
4: Certainly not buying it. The emphasis is that you can't sell Polish gold, uh, after, uh after the 1st of September. Yeah, certainly the emphasis is that. But you're not supposed to burn it either, no, you know, so, like, you know, that is, it is an issue, no question about it, yeah.
2: And I know the department also said that the smoky fuels bought elsewhere. I mean, you're in Charleville. If somebody from out of decided to no, yeah, go exactly. to Charleville, you, you could buy it, but you're not meant to do it. That's also breaching no, the law.
4: No. Like, that, that, that's breaching the law. And there's specific, specific regulations that you have to, like from a merchant point of view, if you are doing that, then you have to have a register to to, to know to who you're selling it to. I'm just going in, yeah. yeah that's okay, that's yeah,
2: and yeah. with the greens in power, do you believe a nationwide ban on smoky coal will become a reality in the I lifetime s- of this government?
4: I suppose there's no question about it, Patricia. You know, there's no the writing is on the wall, and it's like you know, and that's you know, that that that's, that's, that's as long as as long as I say that there is a retrofit program put in place as well. There, there was a seed grant there many years, well, a couple of years ago, now brought out that most of the country houses would get ninety percent. Uh, you know grant to to upgrade the houses in terms of insulation and attic insulation and putting in burners and putting in um, stoves, that unfortunately went, but I think that's back in vogue again now. So as long as that grant is available and there's work there, for. I mean, it will create huge employment and it's great, but um, currently, I mean, every house would, would have to be retrofitted to make an addition. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, hi, I li- we call I live in the countryside but I buy my coal in the town of Ma- Mallow uh, Will I not be able to buy Polish coal in Mallow even though I'm not living in the town I'm out in the countryside?
4: Well I suppose that's from a sales point of view. He, the, the, the merchant will not, be able to stock Poli- well, he will not be able to stock Polish coal if he is within the, the smokeless zone and uh, if he is going out and delivering it to a non-Polish or to a non- free zone, then he just has to register who he's selling it to and... Uh the location,
2: but this person seems to drive into Mallow, buys yeah, the gold. Yeah, they they won't be on sale in any of the shops. They
4: won't be on sale anyway. No,
2: not 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 in Mallow. No, no um, with regard, this is another Tim in Mallow. With regards to the Smoky Coal ban, great news. How is it going to be enforced? Will there be fines? Is there yeah, a comp- yeah. is there a complaint phone line? Tim wants to know. Oh. Well,
4: I suppose there will be initially. It's the local authority. It's the local authorities are in charge of it at the moment. Initially, what they will be doing, I suppose, is going around spot checking merchants. And and the sale of smokes is called, and I suppose it will develop from there. Then, yeah, yeah.
2: Okay all right okay, and okay. it's coming in it's in uh, it's in it's law from from the fir- yeah. from the first half yeah. of, of September yeah. we were actually yeah. talking yeah. about it last year this is yeah. a new legislation by the way, in case people are saying this is something that the greens have brought in it's not it was we started yeah. talking about it last yeah. year back in in 2019 yeah. 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 just while I have you whenever we get anybody out from the council there's always a council issue will come up come up uh, Pat yeah. says that the roads around Laheren and Cross are very dangerous with hogweeds the roads are closing in now that the okay. verges uh, so need to be uh, Overgrown. There seem, I mean, the council are out working trying to cut the grass verges, aren't they? Are, they?
4: they, are, they are, yeah, they are. I mean, particularly in the, the main primary roads and in the regional roads, they are out working uh, cutting. Out, cutting. But maybe if that person phoned into the council. Uh,
2: yeah, well, I'm always saying that, like, people contact yeah. us, but I'm always saying to people, if you contact your local council and tell them of.
4: No question about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, and yeah. let them
2: know, particularly yeah. If, yeah. if it's if it's a road safety issue. All right, listen, yeah. Ian, yeah. thank you for that. Thanks very much. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is uh, former Mayor of Cork County, uh, Ian Doyle, uh, who is himself a fuel merchant. That's why we thought he'd be the man in the know about uh, smoky coal and the ban on the sale and burning of smoky coal. It comes in on the 1st of September for the towns of Mallow, Middleton and Cove. They're not the only ones, by the way. There's others around the country. I don't know how many in uh, in total. I know, for example, other towns to be included uh, around here would be in Killarney is included and Tremor in Waterford. I think they're the only ones for Munster. But then there's other ones around the country as well. They selected it based on any town that had over 10,000 Inhabitants, they were the ones selected to go on the smoky coal ban from the 1st of September. But now we have the Greens in power, and the Environment Minister, uh, Eamon Ryan, has confirmed that he wants a full ban nationwide during the lifetime of the current government and whether that was in the programme for government we assume with the Greens went to negotiation that it was. And a says how can people use smokeless coal yet people can't use turf which is an Irish product with a lower carbon footprint shipping costs lorries etc bringing all this coal from around the world is absolutely crazy. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. text or WhatsApp 0862 103, 103. Or today on C103
0: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And um, we're
2: heading to Kinsale, Garda station for this uh, week's uh, Garda file where I'm joined by Garda, Lisa Harrington. Good morning to you, Lisa. Good morning, Patricia. And How are you, I'm um, very well. You, you are welcome. Let's Thank start you. with uh, theft from oil tanks.
5: That's right, Patricia. Something we would normally associate with the summer months. But um, a few incidents there in Kinsale over the last week. Um, so the weekend of the 17th to the 19th of July, as I said, in Kinsale, in an area known as Jago's Mills. Um, home heating oil taken from a tank at a house. Um, and um, as I say, it's something that we would associate with the summer, but there has been a few incidents here. Um, again, on the 21st and the 22nd of July, that's just last week, and that was Tuesday night into Wednesday morning um, at the Garrettstown side of Kinsale, um, a diesel tank of trucks emptied, and there were three separate trucks parked overnight and all three had fuel removed from both tanks.
2: Goodness me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is there anything you can do to protect yourself?
5: Yeah, well, so as well, on the 19th of July, um, around that time, a similar incident in Crossbarry was attempted, and the owner of that truck had, again, parked his truck overnight, returned to find the diesel cap had been opened, but he had an anti-theft device fitted, so there was no way of taking the fuel. And um, I know I've spoke about these anti-theft devices before, and they are very effective and very and relatively cheap when you compare the the price to a tank of diesel Absolutely. Yeah, you
2: Absolutely. can get you can
5: get good quality devices um, for around 50 euro and even cheaper I think if you source them online. So they are okay. a good a good idea.
2: And uh, also it brings in the importance of CCTV.
5: Yeah, that's correct. And I, again I I know I've spoke about this too and CCTV to some people may sound extreme, but it, it really is becoming one of the best and maybe most effective anti-crime measure. Like it deters criminals, it, it prevents antisocial behaviour, and it also help, helps us in catching perpetrators. You know, having CCTV means uh, thieves are much less likely to target houses. And and I know um, CCTV can be expensive and costly, and that's one thing that people say to us all the time: the price. But but they can also be very very cheap, depending upon the requirements on your house and how much you want to pay. You know, and most electro most local electrical shops and even hardware shops will give you information and the different prices available.
2: Mm, mm, But uh, certainly a good, uh, it can be a great investment rather than have your house broken into or or something stolen. Now, earlier in the week, we were discussing fraud on the programme with the Banking and Payments Federation and in particular, we were warning people about booking a staycation online that some fraudsters uh, are out there trying to get your hard-earned cash. You've got one for us uh, this morning and this is to do with uh, getting a loan online. Yeah,
5: that's right. So um, a number of different websites are out there now in operation and they're offering, I suppose, an unsecured loan. So these sites will look very professional, look very reputable, but they are not. And I suppose they're targeting vulnerable people and people who would have difficulty in obtaining loans. So quite recently, um, a lady reported to us trying to obtain a loan from what she believed to be one of these reputable websites. And as part of the process, she had to hand over uh, a substantial sum of money in advance of receiving the loan, which she unfortunately did hand over the
2: money. Oh, goodness.
5: Yeah. So, like, I mean, in almost all the cases with these websites, the victim will be asked in order to process this loan, they need to make a payment up front of some amount.
2: And that would never, you know, if, if you think about it, if you go into your credit union or mm-hmm. into your bank, they will never ask you.
5: No, definitely not. And most of these sites, I mean, the warning signs, they will, they will claim to offer fast and easy applications for loans. And it usually will be quick. Um, the loans will be approved without identity um, or without a credit rating, which isn't ever really going to be the case. And um, the lender, this fake person, will, uh, will ask for a payment of some kind in advance to the loan being being given out, which is is not normal um, and it, like the main thing we would say is always check um, that the person you're getting a loan off is, is authorized by the central bank, and yeah. you can check that with any of your of your local banks and online.
2: Yeah. And, you know, as one of the messages we put out earlier when we were discussing fraud, if it seems too good to be true, it it probably, it it, it isn't uh, genuine. Yeah. And just be very careful about if you're on a social media site about clicking on a link that comes up on a social media site. That's another one you've got to be really extremely careful about.
5: Absolutely. Because they're taking you to a fraudulent site and a lot of these look very professional and, and very good, but they aren't.
2: Now you wouldn't quite think so with the weather but we are into holiday season and you want to give us some uh, crime prevention uh, advice on holiday security.
5: Yeah, that's right. So, um, I mean, I suppose given government advice a lot of people are on staycations and are leaving properties for a substantial period. Um, So there's just a few things we would just say to people um, just to make when you're a trip away, you know your property is secure, your home is secure. And um, one thing that some people don't know about is that you, you have the ability to notify your local garden station. And we have a system where we can log a vacant premises. So you can notify your local station with the dates you'll be gone. And then we have that logged on our system. And then as part of routine guarded patrols, daytime and nighttime, we can incorporate visits to the, the vacant house.
2: Oh, that's good. part of it. Yeah. And then if there's any un- activity going on that shouldn't be going on, alarm bells uh, will absolutely. ring. Okay. And, and obviously, uh, if your house is going to be empty for a period of time, a, like a good neighbour, you can, uh, good yeah. neighbours are fantastic.
5: Yeah, absolutely. A trusted neighbour, a family friend, someone just to uh, do a routine check on the property Stopping by the house, just making sure everything is OK is quite important and it can be good.
2: Yeah, Leave a spare key if, if, if you can. And then leaving the property, lock it up.
5: Absolutely. You think this is um, it's a very, very simple piece of advice. But I want to remind people to, to lock all doors and windows because many of the crimes we go to and the stats say one in five burglars get into a house through an unlocked door and unlocked window. So it is very, very important. Like burglars will always take an easy choice. And they go after homes which look like an easy target. So doors and windows, for instance, which don't look sturdy or secure, could in fact attract burglars to your home.
2: Yeah, and I suppose in the excitement of heading away, you just you know you just might not think that mm-hmm. it was the bathroom window locked before yeah. I left. So just make make sure you do it.
5: And they, I suggested maybe would be to go to your local DIY or hardware store and um, have a look at the different security items they have. Um, there's different ways to strengthen security around your doors and windows very very uh cheap effective ways of doing that
2: you suggest hide or lock up your valuables don't, Absolutely. don't leave them behind
5: uh, yeah i would i would say that so i suppose um it's always best to consider putting your valuables somewhere unusual um a prime example would be to put them in the kitchen or bathroom in kind of hidden containers because a lot of times people tend to have them in the bedroom or um you know
2: the obvious places. Yeah,
5: burglars are great at finding the obvious hiding places. So I suppose be creative. I mean, if you have a secure safe, in house, use it. A lot of people have this security feature and if they don't tend to use it.
2: And then you you also suggest don't broadcast your, your plans online or when you're away posting all the snaps, wait until you're home.
5: That's correct, yeah. I would say um, save the photos and post till after holiday or for private groups. But um, I mean, you can make, make people aware that you're going away, but be sure that people you know, are there are people you know and trust. Um, I mean, if you announce your plans on social media, these messages and posts can get shared, um, can get shared, and then they can lead to opportunistic crimes or break-ins. So, it, like I said, it's, it's easy for messages and posts to become spread around the internet in a short space of time. Mm.
2: Mm. And
5: um, when other people become aware of your holiday or plans that your house is vacant, it can become an easy target for a planned break-in. And there have, in fact, been cases where people have done this, posted online, and in a day or two days afterwards, the houses were broken into.
2: Okay, And then if you do have an alarm system or CCTV cameras, make sure it's working. It's surprising the number of people who have alarms and then will say, oh, but I rarely switch it on.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Like there is no better way to secure your home while you're away than with a security alarm. Um, But it is essential that you check alarm batteries because no matter how good your system is, it isn't beneficial if your batteries run out. You know, um, another thing I'd say is to make sure the outside alarm box is easy to see, this will act as a deterrent from people coming near your home. And I suppose with that in mind, to maybe ensure your alarm is monitored, which would allow the Guardi to respond quickly to alarm events if they are activated
2: OK. And also, I think, you know, because people are abiding by the government rules and regulations and we're, we're staycationing rather than uh, going away, we have a tendency when we're away in Ireland to have a different mindset to say when we're away abroad.
5: Absolutely. I think people can be a little, more, bit, little bit more lax, I suppose. Um, but it's no different. Staycationing, as they are saying, in Ireland is no different to um, going abroad.
2: Okay. all right just look after yourself have a good holiday but come back uh, safe Yeah, and and
5: and it would be good to go away knowing that the house is secure you know, there's nothing in the back of your mind you know, if you have all your windows, doors secure and the house is being checked on you know, you could have a more enjoyable time
2: Okay. and you're in Kinsale which is a great place if somebody's looking for a staycation destination It's great Listen Lisa, thank you for that Have a good week and thanks for joining us Bye bye That is uh, Garda Lisa Harrington joining us from Kinsale Garda Station
0: or today with Patricia messenger on C103. Hits,
2: C103 this is a fun one in from a listener in Clan to say I just spotted an amusing item on our South of Ireland petroleum day by day calendar now I don't know if it's one of these things that you know happened on this day but apparently Charlie Chaplin once lost a Charlie Chaplin look-alike competition he came second. <laughs> Ha ha. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'd love to know who came first thank you for that that made me smile here's a this is this is a, a different scam surely and one I've never heard about but one worthy of a mention because we need to keep talking about these scams to let other people know about it so when you hear about it talk to other people about it so that they won't get caught a listener on the Bearer Peninsula says Patricia I'm wondering if anybody else got a similar phone call to mine this was a call to my landline I had a call on Sunday night from Karen Brown asked if this is my name and I said yes even though it wasn't my name but it happened to be my dead mother's name so that kind of sparked my uh, interest so I decided I'd play along with her this person who's called Karen Brown said you need to ring Amy Burns and then gave a number and I'll get John Paul actually to check that number it's one, it's, uh, 1560 one five six zero seven one five two nine nine. 299 no, I'm assuming that that's a premium rate number anyway this Karen Brown speaking now to our listener says you need to ring Amy Brown you need to do it straight away she's an astrologist Amy's had a vision she's got some great news to tell you so listener said, I said oh I've won the lotto and she said I told you you need to ring Amy I said will she give me the six numbers and she kept saying I told you you need to ring Amy she had a vision and it's better than the lotto and then she became kind of arrogant and very cross on the phone I asked where she got my number from And she said that I was the lucky person selected from numerological calculations. So in the end, I said, actually, the lady you're looking for, the name of the lady you asked for, is actually my mum. And she's been dead for the past 13 years. And don't ever ring this number again. She then used the F word and she put the phone down. That is bizarre. I have never come across we've heard loads of different scams but somebody to actually engage in conversation with somebody we'll try and do a check on that number and just see but I guarantee you the fact that it's a 1560 number it's a premium call you'll ring it it'll end up costing you an absolute fortune there probably will be somebody by the name of Amy Burns at the end of a pre-recorded message and they'll keep you on the phone for ages and then your phone bill or your phone credit will, will, will disappear now the only thing that really sort of sparks my interest is the fact that they had your mother's name that that's kind of worrisome the fact it's a landline number very easy to get landline numbers and they can generate them as well but the fact that she she had your mother's number would worry me somewhat and I'm just wondering and I don't know did your mother ever live in that house was your mother's name ever on the name of that phone you know in a phone book for, for example could that be uh, it but anyway it's an interesting one Never heard of it before, certainly a new one on me if anybody else has heard about it but uh, if not it's good to get that message out just to let people know different type of scam but they'll actually engage you in conversation and try to tell you that you're going to get the best of news from this astrologer who has a special message just for you. And thank you to somebody who said on the band Tampax, Tampax ad that we mentioned earlier, someone said Archbishop McQuaid is he getting his revenge Uh, look it up so I did a quick Google search of John Charles McQuaid the Archbishop of Dublin and in 1944 he wrote to a Dr Con Ward, who was the Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister for Local Government and Public Health uh, to inform them that they were against uh, He he writes, I explained very fully the evidence concerning the use of internal sanitary tampons, in particular that called Tampex. Tampex has always been around in 1944. On the medical evidence made available, the bishops very strongly disapprove of the use of these appliances, more particularly in the case of unmarried persons. And obviously they're referring to unmarried women. And I think the story went that the bishops and including and in particular, uh, John Charles McQuaid were afraid that the use of a tampon by an unmarried woman would in some way give her some kind of sexual pleasure. So they decided to write to the Minister for Local Government and Public Health, I'm assuming, to try to get them uh, banned. So the listener wants to know, is he getting his revenge now that the ad has been banned in this country? eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Hi, Patricia. Just reading Kerry Eye's newspaper. Shocked to see so many photographs of people out socialising, which is nice, but they're not observing social distancing. What are these people thinking of? Uh, yeah um, I, I was out for a lovely meal last Saturday night I did notice groups of young women in particular going out I think there was a, a party or a hen party I don't think it was an office, a hen party or a birthday party there was a group of them all together and they were all taking their photographs and yes they were in social distancing the only thing is you can get a group together who'll stay in their own bubble sort of thing and they'll socialise together and they're not mixing with anybody else but yes it is the one big danger with people going out and if there's alcohol involved I think social distancing goes out the window and I think it's one of the big fears around the reopening of the pub trade. Will social distancing just go out the window? And if you look at the figures and the numbers that we're getting every night um, and they're still low, they're still low, the number of people testing positive for COVID nineteen, but they are in the main people under the age of forty five and the medium age is usually somewhere in the mid thirties, so it is the younger generation that are passing the COVID nineteen amongst themselves. Uh, JP says it is not fair on pubs, they need to reopen. What a about the people who are working in pubs they too have mortgages to pay. We were talking about smokeless coal earlier on that prompted John in Mill Street to say I have seen numerous older tractors belching out smoke. How is that good for the environment? I've seen a Ford 4000 tractor which would be the late 70s recently been used to power a log Splitter. It was running all day with a constant feed of smoke from air. So Was the point being rather than looking at smoky coal there's other things that need to be looked at uh, as well. Actually somebody else was on about smoky coal talking about their daughter um, because Councillor Ian Doyle was making the point that it's the smoky coal ban is going to affect older people who are in the main, in older houses that only have an open fire and that a lot of the modern houses all have, you know, they don't use, they don't even have chimneys now in the majority of new houses. That prompted listener to say, Hi Patricia, the council put air to water heating into my daughter's house. That's fine. I'm all for that. But nobody explained how to use it efficiently. My daughter has also found it is very expensive to use. She's on a low income and she uses pay as you go electricity, which is the most expensive way to pay for your electricity. But I know when you're on a fixed low income, people find it the best way of doing it, but it is the most expensive way. But anyway, so that's only adding to our fuel costs. And also says this listener, what happens when they have power cuts? There is no heating and we often get power cuts, you know, on the, in the winter months, when there can be storm activity and all of that at the time when you really do need uh, your heating. So there's pluses to that type of heating system, but there's also negatives uh, as well. Patricia, people in the entertainment industry, i.e. musicians and singers, seem to be completely forgotten about in this present pandemic situation. They're rarely mentioned and they've no prospect of going back to work at the moment. They don't. They absolutely don't. Even remember yesterday when we mentioned that the pantomime The Panter for the Everyman, they've they've cancelled that. Everybody involved in that. The entertainers involved uh, in that. There's so many people in that entertainment industry and and musical industry who are just on their knees. They have absolutely no chance of getting back to work. And one wonders... Will, it, will they have to wait until there's a vaccine before people will feel comfortable about going to venues like that and before venues like that will be allowed to open. So there's a, there'll be a long, long uh, wait for them. And you are right, they don't seem to get a lot of uh, attention. Uh, thank you for your text. Morning everyone, says this texture. I read yesterday. That it is costing the state €25,000 a day. That's what's been charged for the convention centre to keep the TDs safe when they're in the doll so that they can all practice social distancing. Well, I feel my kids should not attend school until they're all back in the doll, sitting side by side just like our children will be in the classroom, dot, 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 dot. One of the parents, obviously, in that group of, what do we say, 20% of parents who are nervous and anxious about sending their children back to school in September. John in Mitchellstown says, Patricia, do do, you do people in shops realise that not everybody this is due at masks not everybody can wear a mask due to health reasons things like conditions like uh, asthma emphysema etc so I would not judge somebody for not wearing a mask never mind asking the reason why they're not wearing a mask you might embarrass them just food for thought thank you New Patricia this is John from uh, down. yeah and I have said that before I have said in the past be careful when, you, when, you try, when you're judging people but I think it's when you see large groups of people and nobody's wearing a mask. They don't all have emphysema. They don't all have COPD. They don't all have a lung condition that stops, stops them wearing masks. You can very clearly see there are people that should be wearing masks and just for whatever reason don't want uh, to wear them. And actually just on asthma, John, I don't know if you were tuned our way last week, we had the Asthma Society on who very clearly came out and said people who suffer from asthma should wear Masks, and you know went through offering advice on how best to do it, and said to people if you 're having an issue, get on to the asthma society and they have they have their brilliant advice line, and they 'll help you and give you all of the advice that you need but they they have included people with asthma and say that they should be wearing masks eighteen hundred and fifty three 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 one oh three I can see some questions coming in for Jane. Can you keep those coming? Our resident uh, vet please, because she 'll join us after half past. After half past 12 today so if you have a pet question get it in you can ring uh, say or John Paul we'll take your call at 1850 333 103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103
0: 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council supporting
1: businesses supporting communities serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie
2: And staying on pets with a reminder of an interview that we carried last week with Scruffy's Pet Shop in Domanway they're still looking for volunteers to to pose with their pets for their 2021 Naked Calendar. All proceeds from the calendar will be split 11 ways to each charity or club represented by each month. You can contact uh, Scruffy's at 085 875 7633. Castletown Bear Development Association, they've got their drive-in bingo tomorrow evening at the pier in Castletown Bear. It's a half-eight start. Now it's over over 600 euro in prizes will be given away and a chance to win 1,700 euro in the jackpot that's in 52 calls and staying with Castletown Bear Development Association they've got a country market happening this Saturday that's on the grounds of St Peter's and it's from 11am to 2pm and there's also bingo going on in Drima League Sports Field ladies well that's happening next Sunday and that's got a 6pm start
0: Court today on Scene 103 Call Patricia with your comment, 103
2: And Donal, one of our listeners, has been on to say he's a little bit confused about his state uh, pension. It was always paid weekly into his bank account, uh, but then he said they started paying it every two weeks. Why is that? He said I wanted to go back uh, weekly. Well, they've been paying it two weekly into your account since uh, March, and it was introduced um, as part of the COVID nineteen pandemic, and it was to stop people. The reason they changed it fortnightly, really, it was to stop people having to go to the post office every week. But lo and behold. Hold, Donal, uh, your call to us is timely because just this week, the Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection announced that some social welfare payments will be returning to a weekly schedule in uh, August. Now, the ones that will be the payments restored to a weekly schedule include one parent family payment, working family payment, illness benefit, job seekers allowance and job seekers benefit the majority of those customers will start to receive their weekly payment from the week beginning 17th of August with some receiving their weekly payment from the week beginning the 10th of August. A number of payments are to continue to be paid on a fortnightly basis and Donald unfortunately for you because you want to go back to weekly, it includes pensions, it also includes carers allowance and uh, carers uh, benefit. Uh, but the, 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 um, the two weekly payment schedule was introduced, it was to better manage the footfall going into post offices and banks and also at the time it was to help to promote uh, social dif- d- distancing. So some are returning to uh, weekly because actually i was in the I was in the post office yesterday, and actually I, I we were chatting about it in the post office yesterday. It suits some people, some people were very happy with the payment to be made every two weeks, but then there was others like Donal like to manage their money differently and like to pick up their money every week and like to be paid uh, every week. So some are going back to weekly payment but others including pensioners, carers allowance and carers benefit and I'll try if I can to get because there is a longer list of you if you want to go online uh, to uh, the HSE you know, on the COVID page even though myself and John Paul in the office this morning trying to find it and it's it can be quite so much information on the COVID-19 uh, page it can be h- hard sometimes to work through it all to find out exactly what you, what you are looking for uh, but just to keep a look out for that, if you are receiving a Department of Social Protection uh, payment, you may be you may be in the group including one parent family, working family payment, in this benefit, job seekers allowance, and job seekers benefit. You will return two weekly from either the tenth of August or the seventeenth. Uh, okay, hi uh, Patricia. I got a call to my landline from that astrology lady that your listener on the Bearer Peninsula was talking about. I just hung up. Says Bridget. Okay, so it's obviously a new one, and it's it's to landlines. It's not to mobiles, which leads me to believe that's how they're getting information. They're using landlines, probably getting them from the telephone directory. So they'll have a name on it. They'll try and suck you in by having as much information. These scam artists are good. So just be careful. If you get a call from somebody saying you need to ring an astrologist, hang up immediately. Somebody else says, the Tampax ad that we were talking about, Did we, do we know that it was on Network 2 last night? OK, well, it is, it is banned. There's obviously a date when it comes in. I don't exactly know when the, the, the date is, but certainly it has been removed from Irish TV stations. That's not to say that it's not going to be shown in Ireland because I'm convinced it'll still be allowed on the English channels which are broadcast into uh, this country. Tina McCroom says, afternoon, uh, Patricia, surely it is imperative that the government legislates uh, for the wearing of masks and they make it compulsory before they go away on holidays today. Otherwise, we could have a second wave of COVID-19 during the six weeks while they're off on their holidays. Surely they don't want that on their conscience, says uh, Tina in McCroom. Yeah, I mean, and, and I take it, but I'm open to correction. I take it that they have to be in, would well, they have to be in in order to pass uh, legislation? I'm assuming they, I mean, all we're told is when we got onto the Department of Health, because we've been bounced now from the Department of Taoiseach onto the Department of Health, and they just say regulations are uh, being finalised. As soon as possible. I mean, regulations. I take it it takes a piece of legislation. It takes a piece of legislation. Surely they have to be in the doll at the time. I but I I don't know for sure. I absolutely don't know for sure. And they but they couldn't give us a date yet. We'll keep, even though they're not sitting in the doll, That doesn't mean that all the civil servants are. Away on their holidays, we'll we'll keep on to them. We'll keep sending on emails to them until we can actually get a date. We might see if we can get on to some of our TDs and see if they can update us and uh, let us know what is happening. Because yes, I do think until it becomes mandatory we're going to be on a daily basis getting calls in from people saying I was in such and such a shop I was in such and such a town and the majority of people were walking around or were in the shops not wearing uh, the masks and maybe maybe as some are saying is it up to the individual shop owners and shopkeepers to start saying to people but then it's not in their remit and you know they don't they don't have the rules and the regulations to say to somebody you must wear a mask even though I think if you put a sign up at the entrance to your shop to say customers must wear a mask. I think we're a very law-abiding country. I think the majority of people, once they see a a sign like that, will wear a mask. Uh, I don't know if I want shop owners and shop people working in retail getting into confrontation with people saying we're not letting you into the shop until you wear a mask. Whereas the bus drivers... And the people on the trains can do it because it's the legislation is there. They can refuse or somebody, as we've seen and we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, somebody was removed from a train. The guards were called. But you can't do that in a shop because the legislation isn't uh, in place. eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Just some of your WhatsApp's in. Uh, hi, Patricia. I read online that there is enough food produced on this earth to feed 10 billion people every day year. Yes there's still 7.5 and there's 7.5 billion people in population and yet there are people still going hungry uh, without regular meals. Also can you believe that there are Premier League soccer players in England kicking a football around every week and they can earn 200,000 euros sterling every week and yet we have nurses on approximately 40,000 euro uh, a year who are working out of their skins this day. We need to get, we need to get back to reality and a little bit of uh, common sense, and that's from Massey in uh, West Cork. Yeah, there used to be a stat going around about we produce enough food. I think it's similar to the stats to to your figures there. We produce enough food to feed the world three times o- over. Yet a third of the population are starving because there's so much waste and because it's divided so unfairly uh, as well. But yeah, interesting when you see how much professional soccer players get versus how much a nurse uh, gets. It's it's quite uh, shocking indeed. Heidi says Patricia on the. PUP payments the COVID payments it's all well for people on a COVID payment to complain about not getting a payment if they decide to go abroad we have to realise that that this country has not got a huge pot of gold. The money that they are dishing out every day is coming from the people that are still working and from people's savings. We have to know that it's our hard-earned money and not the government's money. And can I say, it is indeed, like a lot of it is from taxpayers' money. It's also from borrowed money. Borrowed money that will have to be paid back by all of us. So yeah, that is a good point. John says, "Prisha, our government going away on six weeks holidays today. Our economy is in the worst recession in 75 years. Many businesses simply will not reopen uh, even when we get a grip on this pandemic and our unemployment figures will rise to 40, 400 thousand. And then to make matters worse, Brexit, that's still looming says John, God, we haven't spoken about Brexit in quite some time but you're right John, Brexit has not has certainly not uh, gone uh, away. And just one final one, Patricia on, on our WhatsApps, Patricia, surely €200,000 of public money should not be used to fund a car and a driver for Simon Coveney. There must be a better way to allocate these funds. There's been a lot of talk about Simon Coveney getting his driver and hanging on to his car uh, when normally that ministerial post doesn't come with a car. And yeah, and when it's 200,000 a year, if the government lasts for five years, that'll be a million and that's just on one car. And I know it's those kind of figures, I think, that irk and annoy and get to people and just people find it very hard. And, And with everything that's going on with this pandemic and with people out of work and with people, not able to pay their bills and people worried about how their bills uh, are going to be paid. Yeah, it's it's kind of galling when you see figures like that, um, for sure. OK, and there's a few other people coming up saying that they got the, that astrology phone call that our listener in the Bearer Peninsula told us about. I can see another few texts coming in from other people saying they got it too. So you need to be, you need to be just very, very careful about it and uh, make sure that just hang up immediately. Just don't don't in any way get involved uh, but the person had a name and then asking you to ring Amy Burns and I'll see when I come off air if I can do some research on the, the telephone number. I'm interested in in taking a look at the telephone number because I guarantee it's some kind of a premium rate call. 1850 333 103 Your pet questions please uh, because our resident vet Jane Pickett is going to join us. Something wrong with one of the animals in your home now is the time to contact us. You can call John Paul or or you can text her WhatsApp oh eight six two. 103-103.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines
3: are currently closed.
2: Cork
0: Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with
2: your comment. 086 103, 103 Okay, and listener said, hi, I just came in on the end of your conversation. I heard you mention pensions. Are they going back to a weekly payment? No, they're not. Some social welfare payments are going back from two weekly payments to one weekly payments, but pensions are not. Pensions are remaining on a fortnightly basis as are carers allowance and carers benefits. There's others as well but they're the main ones that are are remaining every two weeks so they're not going back and that phone number that we were talking about that the listener on the Beira Peninsula uh, was asked to ring because somebody at the end of it had uh, uh, what was it what was the name on it? Amy Burns had a message an astrologist and she had a vision for her listener and her listener was to contact them asap. Did a quick Google search on that 1560 number. Lo and behold, it is, uh, as I predicted, it's a high, high cost uh, phone call for sure. It's a spiritual life guidance advisor They're The best psychic readers online is what it says. I've, I've actually seen a picture of Amy, the person who our listener was told to ring. And it will cost you, uh, you pay via your phone bill, one seventy eight a minute. Plus your phone provider and access charge and I guarantee you they'll probably keep you on for about an hour. Please be very, very careful. 1850 Let's turn our attention to pet questions and Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joining me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. And you're very welcome to the programme. Let me start with some of our text questions in. There was one in here from Jim in Whelan to say hi. Just wondering if you could ask Jane Pickett for advice please on a stray fox a mother and a cub that are calling to my house. I'm feeding them but the mother fox is lame on her front leg just for the last few days and is now hopping on three legs. I'm wondering if it's broken uh, or how might it have happened. She's tame enough but not tame enough for me to catch her. Is there any way to catch her to have her leg seen to or will it just mend itself, says Jim in Whelan?
6: Oh, this is a really, really, really difficult one because it always breaks your heart when you see wildlife that are a little bit injured and by their very nature to keep themselves safe. They're not tame, so they're kind of pre-programmed to stay away from people. I think it's always lovely to see the foxes kind of calling in. uh, At home, I have a, a little fox that I see trotting across the field every evening, so they're a pleasure to have around. Um... This, this could be a variety of things. If it's gone quite lame on one leg, it could be anything from a, a minor sprain or a strain right up to being a, a broken bone. So there could be a, a vast variety of, of things that could be going on, some which will probably sort themselves, some which might, some which might take a long time. Um, I think as long as she's still mobile, then that's always a good sign. But obviously, we don't want to see them in pain or discomfort. Now, I wouldn't say unless you're uh, an experienced wildlife handler, um, sufficiently trained, I wouldn't suggest trying to go near or catch the fox. Because, as I say, they are they are wild animals, and that's their protective mechanism to keep them safe. Um, so it's quite
2: likely. If and you're particularly to that her- she's got young with her.
6: Exactly, that's the thing, she's going to be extra protective so I think approaching this animal is probably not the best idea I think if you have any concerns regarding her the best thing to do would be to speak to there's usually some wildlife charities in your area some of which might be quite experienced or alternatively speak to the ISPCA and have a chat with them because I know they they engage with wildlife on a regular basis Um, so I think there's definitely some bear out there to discuss your concerns with but I wouldn't suggest approaching the animal
2: yourself for for safety's sake Keep feeding though Tell Jim keep feeding, and it is possible that if it's just a bad sprain, it'll sort itself out. Why the animals are good at that.
6: exactly. It could well do. I think the healing capacity of animals and ourselves is is fantastic sometimes but it it really depends on what's wrong. So if it's something very mild you might notice that the lameness goes away. I think definitely keep feeding. They're clearly calling and they they need it Um, but I think if you're concerned or if the lameness continues just contacting a a wildlife organisation would be the way to go.
2: All right, a couple of interesting calls in Mick in Yall has two Jack Russell terriers. Lives in an apartment. They get nervous at times which what seems to be a high High pitch sound he's wondering, could it be a high pitch sound? He thinks so, about he's wondering that only they can hear. he's not hearing anything, but when they get a bit distressed, a bit upset, as soon as he takes them out to the van, they're all fine, they disappear. It looks like it's a sound that must be happening every now and again because they're not all the time uh, nervous uh, he's, he's wondering what could it be, how could he get to the bottom of it, and if it's any way of finding out, and is it possible that it is a sound that only the dogs are picking up on?
6: Yeah, this is a really interesting one. I, I think he, he, you could potentially be right. It might be a sound that's so high-pitched that we as humans can't hear it, but our dogs can. Um, or it might be a sound that is very quiet to us, but our dog's hearing hearing capacity is so good that they might be able to hear softer sounds than we can hear. Um, it definitely sounds like whatever's going on, whether it be a sound or something else, is intermittent, because it sounds like they're quite relaxed in between times, and there definitely seems to be a trigger as such. Dogs can hear much higher frequencies than we can. They can hear much better than we can, an average healthy dog, but also they're a lot more perceptive to other things that aren't just kind of ear related or sound related. So, minor changes in behavior, um, changes in light, he's ebbing, they're far, far more sensitive than we are. Um, So it could be a variety of things. Getting to the bottom of it's really difficult. And I suppose the one thing I'd say is just track their little behavior patterns. Is there certain times of the day that happens? Is there certain things maybe even that you do that seems to happen around the time where it's triggered? Because sometimes it could be a a small little thing like a change in our behavior pattern. um, And they might perceive that as a worry or a change to the daily routine. So just try and kind of sit back and think about what it is. I think as long as they're otherwise healthy, happy in themselves and it's very intermittent, I wouldn't be terribly concerned about it. Um, I think as well, the one thing I'd say is that they, if they are getting very nervous, I'd resist the temptation to um, let's say take them out immediately because Sometimes we can kind of almost perpetuate a learned behaviour. So they'll they might clock on that if they start running around and acting a little bit jumpy and nervous, that they might get to go out for their walk or their drive, and then they might start doing the behaviour um without any trigger. So I think really just um if they are getting nervous, it's the same advice if, of let's say around kind of Christmas Halloween time with fireworks. Try and pretend that nothing's going on. So just remain very calm yourself because if they're slightly reactive and then all of a sudden you get really worried because they're worried, which is our natural reaction because we never want to see them concerned, they might feed off that and it kind of perpetuates any anxious they might have. Mm-hmm. I think the more relaxed you can be yourself and um, put on some relaxing, relaxing tunes is another good thing because if it is sound-based, that might help to cover it. But the more relaxed you can be yourself... The You're your, your, your kind of your dog's security blanket, so they really feed off our reactions to things too. Oh. So I think just bearing that in mind.
2: OK, Caroline in Black Rock has a five-year-old Shih Tzu male. It isn't neutered. Uh, over the years, he's become more and more possessive, particularly of fluffy things. Uh, for example, a cushion on a bed. If you try to take the cushion away, he will instantly snap at Caroline she's now getting a bit concerned and she's afraid and she will never leave the dog alone uh, with the children because she's afraid if she's out of the room and the children might go and just reach for something that he's a bit possessive about that he might snap at, at the children instead. He can also be very possessive around his food should she be concerned.
6: Um, in short, yes, a little bit. Um I think our listener has done exactly the right thing in making sure that she limits the risk to other members of the family. So if there's any kind of question of aggression or potential aggression, um even if it has an obvious trigger like taking away food or taking away blankets, then I, I think she's totally right to make sure that you know the kids are never left alone with the dog just in case any accidents might happen. And that would be kind of my first protocol. So well done for doing that. Um, it can be a number of things if it's happened a little bit over the over the years sometimes if they have a they start with a behavior and it's not let's say called into check early on sometimes the behavior can get a little bit worse so sometimes possessive behavior can be quite like testosterone driven um so sometimes it can just be protective and a lot of the time we see that manifesting as then protecting the house and protecting the family and um, which is usually barking at cars and being barking around strangers and things like that very occasionally it could be very focused around specific objects that they like which sounds like what's happening here i think the best thing to do and just to make sure that everybody's kept safe in the situation is probably to intervene at this point and speak to your local vet i think one thing i'd say is it's always worth doing a physical exam so speak to your vet about just getting your little dog checked over make sure there's no source of pain or discomfort that might be triggering any kind of uh guarding behaviors Um, And as well as that, I think have a chat with them about who they would recommend locally as a qualified veterinary behaviourist. So I think probably the most valuable thing in this situation will be to have a trained veterinary behaviourist pop into your house, see what the situation is, see what the triggers are, and give you strategies to to cope and resolve.
3: them. Would
2: would neutering help? It
6: can do sometimes. I think it really depends on what the underlying problem is. Yeah. So if the underlying problem is that they're a little bit nervous and they're nervous aggressive, then sometimes it's not the most constructive thing to do. And other things might provoke a, a better response, but sometimes certainly if it is t- testosterone driven, then yes, castration can certainly help. But I think I'd I'd, I'd speak to your vet and maybe okay. make me behaviourist before going there.
2: Phil, how do I train my dog to stop licking everybody? <laughs> Uh, And I I can see back on this coming by WhatsApp and Phyllis contacted us in previous uh, weeks. I'm assuming it's the same dog that Mm -hmm. uh, Phyllis is talking about. It's it's a little palm. It's an eight month old palm.
6: Oh, lovely. Okay, Your dog is probably just wanting to say hello to everyone. (laughs) Uh, Not everybody
2: likes that, though.
6: No, exactly. That's the thing. They don't really know the boundaries sometimes. Um, your dog is probably just trying to, I suppose, say hello to everyone, but also they gain a lot of information themselves by um, touch and taste. So they're probably trying to figure out a lot about the world around them, particularly if it's still quite a young dog. Um, sometimes they just do it for a little while and then begin to lose interest once they realize what the world's all about and what people are like. Um, so you may see the behavior reduces down. I think maybe because everybody doesn't quite like being licked by a dog. If you're out and about, just keeping keeping your dog on lead and under control, because sometimes I suppose even just walking through the park, you might encounter people who are not particularly fond of dogs, or maybe even quite afraid of them. So I, I think even though this is a small dog, it could still be quite fearful for for people who don't really want to have that big welcome of the dog. Um, it may well settle down in its own time. I'd say it's unlikely to be a clinical problem. There's unlikely to be, let's say, a health reason behind it. It's most likely behavioural and kind of finding out about the world. It's probably akin to almost like a baby or a toddler teething and they just kind of (laughs) chew everything around them or, you know, put their mouth around things. And a lot of the time that's kind of them learning about the world and it's very much the same with licking and kind of biting, chewing behaviours in dogs. But I think certainly if it's something you don't want to engage in, the best way to do it is if they start doing that not to shout, nothing like that. Just stop paying attention to them and they'll learn that that behaviour licking doesn't necessarily end with a, a nice fun game or lots of attention for the owner. So if you can just ignore them for five minutes when the behaviour starts, they'll eventually learn it's not a behaviour that leads mm. to a lot of fuss from the And owner.
2: their dogs are smart. They'll, they'll, oh, so smart. Yeah, she'll pick it up yeah. fairly quickly. Uh, yeah. Sheila says, hi, question for Jane, please. I have two 12-week-old kittens. They're fine and healthy, but one of them constantly latches on to the other one's throat and sucks on it. The result is that the, fir, the fur is wearing off his little neck. He doesn't seem to mind it, but if I separate them, they cry for each other. Is this a dominant thing or is it a comfort thing and nothing to worry about? Just thought I'd ask, said Sheila. Mm-hmm.
6: I think if it's latching on and and sucking kind of when they're very relaxed lying down together it might almost be kind of recreating back when they were with mum when they were suckling
2: Yeah, that's what it sounds like
6: Yeah, very occasionally we see that Sometimes it can be a dominant behaviour if we see a lot of play fighting. If it's happening at the same time play fighting is happening between the two little kittens, which is quite normal behaviour to a certain degree, and they're just kind of learning how to interact with other cats, Um, then that's a little bit different. um, And I try and discourage that because as they get a little bit bigger and bolder, they're also a lot more powerful, as it were. From what you sound like, it sounds like that they're just lying down snuggling and then there's a bit bit of kind of licking and, and sucking off the neck going on. I think I'd watch the watch the cat whose neck is affected very closely because sometimes if there's a lot of saliva or any kind of trauma around the neck, it can actually lead to some quite, quite uncomfortable skin problems because a kind of a warm, wet, moist environment is an ideal place for bacteria to grow. So I think keep a close eye in Be it.
2: careful on that. But it's yeah. just But the idea of having two 12-week old, old kittens. Oh, I know. I could sit <laughs> and watch them so. all day. Enjoy them, Sheila, because they don't stay that small for very long. Hi, I have a dog at nine. She gets lame, uh, then appears OK, but it keeps reoccurring. She's often lame after rest. Now, she is on a mature dog food called Provac. I'm wondering, <laughs> would supplements help? Thinking it's just old age.
6: Potentially, it could if it is, let's say, a little touch of osteoarthritis or a joint disease. There is a little bit of evidence behind the use of supplements like glucosamine and chondroitin, but it's not very robust. It's, it's like ourselves going on joint supplements. What I would say is. Probably before I would go down that route, I think it's probably best to visit your vet um, and have a full physical exam. There's actually a lot of things we can tell from even just simply doing a a good exam of the skeleton and the muscles. We may be able to feel a little bit of creaking in the joints or a reduced kind of range of motion, which would give us clues as to what's causing the lameness. I think always, top of our priority list is comfort for these patients particularly if they're middle aged to older and depending on the source of the pain particularly if it's recurrent there might be something we can do to solve it but certainly if it's painful and causing lameness we might need some pain control long term and your vet will be the best person to discuss if that's suitable and and if so what route to go down but also have a chat to them about joint supplements and whether that would be appropriate for your dog some conditions it can really help with others not so much but the focus is always kind of quality of life and comfort
2: okay and another listener suggesting calm calm canine supplement is good for dogs with behavior problems would you would you agree It's not one
6: I've come across, no, there's there's a few different ones on the market. There's also kind of pheromone diffusers that you can plug in. We can't smell them, but they can. And they're almost kind of like the the happy hormones that they would get if they were suckling from their mum when they were young. So there's lots of products like that in the market. They can be a little bit hit and miss, anecdotally. Some people seem to have great success with those kind of things Work like for some, diffusers. not for others,
2: but that's exactly. more for an, i always uh, I always think anyone i've ever heard that's used uh, one of those diffusers uh, for a nervous you know an animal of a very nervous disposition, a very nervous dog' mm-hmm. it's, it's a, a good for again hit and miss it works for some doesn't work for all yeah.
6: Exactly. Yeah, uh, one, one of my dogs it worked really well for and the other one you wouldn't even know it was tugged in. So I think it's very kind of
2: patient dependent. OK. All right. We'll leave it there. Have a good week. You too. And we'll you. talk next week. That is uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic.
3: Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?